sorrows of the Sheol, part two. You already know that Sheol, the word for Sheol is Hades in the Greek. So this is in Hebrews, in the Old Testament. There might be some repeat when necessary, wherever necessary. Let's have a brief word of prayer before we read the same passage we read previously. Loving Father, we bless you once again, O Lord. And we commit this time unto your holy hands. Lord of grace and mercy, we pray that, Lord, you will guide us, you will lead us, Lord. And we pray that, Lord, you keep us, Lord, from the spirit of error. You will help us, Lord, not to confuse your people. But that, Lord, by the Holy Spirit, we will have clarity unto your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to our main scripture in Second Samuel, chapter twenty-two. Second Samuel, chapter twenty-two. Second Samuel, chapter twenty-two, from verse one to seven. Then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song. On the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Verse 2, and he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my salvation, you save me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Verse 5. When the waves of death surrounded me, the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of the shore surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress I called upon the Lord and I cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry entered his ears. Amen. So, David spoke this song, this word, this song, on the day when the Lord delivered him. As Chrissy was saying, with the first song, you also find this account here in Psalm 18. thought maybe she, I don't know how she saw my notes. <laughs> in, Psalm, in Psalm 18, you find the same. And uh, as we said previously, this passage here seems to me as the summary of David's life. All the Psalms are summarized in this passage here. David was already of a certain age. If you read a, a bit of the background of this here, is in the second part of chapter 21, David faced an unprecedented challenge this time. He was fighting against the giant, only giants this time. The sons of God, only giants. And at some point, he nearly died. Hadn't been someone who just stepped in and killed the enemy. And you know what? His colleagues say to him, you will not fight again. They understood that, in fact, the Bible says, he grew faint. That's the expression. That means he grew weaker than he used to be. Remember, he had killed Goliath. He has fought for God all his life. He grew faint. That may happen to any one of us. Any one of us. 
It's important that the fellowship, the surrounding believers, it's important that we are discerning when brethren are going through situations. It's important that we are discerning and we understand that. Not to offend on you, anyone, but uh, I often say, when someone comes to me and say to me, is there anything you want to pray for for you? Out of kindness, I will give an answer to make them comfortable. Because I know my own problems. But if you pray, if you have the brethren in your heart and you're praying at home, the Lord will reveal you who needs prayers. And when you come to see a brother or a sister, and you say, are you okay? Yes. On Friday I was praying and I was led to pray for you. It was around 4 o'clock. Okay. I understand. There is a song in America. Somebody's praying. Mighty hand are guiding me to protect me from what I cannot see. Somebody's praying. It carries a lot of encouragement. Rather than going with a notebook, do you want to pray? Do you start praying, the Lord will reveal to you. Well, there was a day when uh, we sat here a few uh, weeks ago. And uh, there was one brother in the con congregation. I was just led to approach him, to approach him and prayed for and with him. After I finished praying, the brother said to me, I'm going to pray for you. And when he started praying, the things he was telling God is as if God had given him all my difficulties. That's what I'm talking about. He didn't know anything. I heard him. I went to pray for him. He said, can I also pray for you? And he prayed for me. I'm sparing him embarrassment because he's here. That's what I mean. Supporting one another in prayer. Praying for one another. Nehemiah said, pray for your brethren. Pray for your family. Pray for your sons. Pray for your wives. Pray, pray, pray. Because God is an awesome God. So David spoke the words to the Lord, the word of this song. On the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. With the word of his song, David praised the Lord for deliverance from his enemies and for the many blessings bestowed on him. Songs of deliverance. Moses did the same with the Israelites. Ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. It's good to sing the Lord's deliverance, I'm telling you. Because we know that our adversary, uh, the enemy, walks around, goes about, seeking whom he's going to devour. The Bible says we should resist him. In steadfast faith, remembering that our brethren, our brotherhood across the world is going through the same. Do you understand that? It is, it is the devil who is doing that. It is the spirit of the Antichrist that is behind, that is after our brethren in Afghanistan. What have they done? They are inoffensive. They are not fighting. They don't have a weapon. Why kill a whole congregation? The spirit of the Antichrist is already at work. David said, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. He seems to put his song before the deliverance itself. He knows the secrets. 
to worship, to praise God, to magnify his name, to bless the name of the Lord, and then contemplate his deliverance. You are my hiding place, David said. David wasn't a fantasist. He wasn't making up things. You see, all the attribute of God he's giving here, he had actually experienced these things in the real world. He had been in caves, on the run, permanently, in mountains, in rocks hiding, and then he concluded that actually God was all those things. You are my hiding place. You always fill my heart with songs of deliverance. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. What does the Bible say? He who comes to God must believe that he is. He always is. Moses asked the Lord, well, if they ask me who sent you, what should I say? Well, you should say to them, I am sent you. Jehovah, self-existent, uncreated. I am. So he who comes to God must believe that he is. That is, must believe that he exists. And that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Impossible to please God. And we are called to grow in faith, to grow. To not remain like babies tossed to and fro. We are called to grow in faith. If we say we've been believers for 40 years, okay, let's move on. David said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The God of my strength in whom I will trust, my shield, my horn of salvation. In some places he say, God is the tower of my salvation. My stronghold, my refuge, my savior. God was all for David. Is God all for you and me? Or do we have other support? Do we have a very powerful network? Well-positioned people? Or God is all for you and I? God was all for David. In Psalm 22, verse 6, David said, Remember, this man was found to be a man after God's own heart. But he did not live a trouble-free life. He learned to know God in a more serious way, in both dimensions, the love of God and the discipline of God. He knew that. Really worried. When the fellowship with God was broken, he was really disturbed. Really, really disturbed because he had learned to know God. The Bible says, knowing the terror of God, we seek to persuade people. The fear of God is what is needed today in the church. We are attacks from all parts. Just this morning I was listening on BBC a lady who was saying that she loves the book of Psalm. And then she said, my favorite part is he restores my soul because that makes me connect to nature. Can she say that on Islam? 
No. Because they are scared. You know? They play with Christianity. It's a soft ground. They can play, you know, uh, uh, intellectualism and scientific, etc. Not with Islam. You don't play intellectual with Islam. No, they are all scared. <laughs> Christianity, you know, those are lambs. <laughs> there is a program on the BBC every day. The Anatomy of Gods. And that lady has written a book. Every morning she's reading that book on the BBC to demonstrate that God has a body. He's a man like anyone else. So she surveyed, you know, everything the Bible is talking about, you know, the, the earth is my footstool, although you see, he can put his foot there. You know, he told Moses, I will pass, you will see my back. You see, he has a back. Doesn't the Bible say God is a spirit? That's the definition of God. He is a spirit. You find that right from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 as well. So they pick and choose whatever they want. And if someone who is not steadfast in the faith listen to that kind of program, they call that higher criticism. You will lose balance. We are called to be established here. The word of God. This is the source of information about God. God revealed himself in here. In fact, there was nobody when God was creating everything. You see, when we pray to God, we have to be very clear as to who we are referring to. Our God referred to himself repeatedly as the creator. There's no other creator. It's God who created. So the God you and I worship is the God who made heaven and the earth. And he's mocking idols. Because you see, idols are made in the likeness of men. And men copies from themselves and they reflect and they make a mark, you know, the craftiness and they make, but they cannot talk. But God made us in his likeness. We can talk because he talks. And we can worship and fellowship with him. It's very important that we are very clear that the God we worship is the creator. Because there's none beside him. Only he created the heaven. Look at the book of Job. Throughout the whole book, God is asking Job, were you there when I did this? Were you there when I did this? Were you there? You're just a man. David was a very humble man. Uh, he had a very special heart, I would say. You know, whenever the Lord put his finger on a sin or something, David will not resist. He will repent. He will confess. Bitterly. Because his relationship, his fellowship with God was his life. David was humble. Does that mean he was perfect? He wasn't. Does that mean we need to be perfect? One day we will be, but just not yet. But God wants our hearts to him. In Psalm chapter 22, verse 6, David said, but I am a worm. Remember, we spoke of worms. Worms. Not serpents. You know. A worm can behave like a serpent. But cannot do what serpents do. No. If you touch a worm, you just move a little bit. And that's it. Try with a serpent. We are not called to be serpents. Yes, like serpent in terms of prudence. That's all. That's the old analogy there. But David said, I am a worm. We shared that last time. But I am a worm and no man. Is the great king David we saying that. 
He said, I am a reproach of men. But this is a very excellent, mighty king, full of glory and power and God's grace and favor. But he said, I am a reproach of men and despised by the people. You see, that is a reflection on himself. It's not someone external who is saying that. It's himself saying that about himself. He looks to the Lord. He says, I am a worm. I am the reproach. I am despised. That's how he sees himself. The Lord God does not want us to have a so high opinion of ourselves. Jesus is humble. And he wants us to be humble. And he wants to teach us humbleness and humility. I remember my spiritual father used to say to me, uh, when it comes to Jesus Christ, it's not all about humility and humbleness. It's also about humiliation. He made himself of no reputation. Humiliate. Not just humbling himself, but being also humiliated. I have a long, I have a long way to go. We so concerned about our reputation, how people see us, how we want people to see us. But you see, the Bible says we should have the same mind that was in Christ. He is God. He exists as God, but wasn't desperate to behave as if he was robbing, as if he was forcing, as if he was desperate to tell people, I am God. Now, he made himself of no reputation. Well, and we are called to have the same mind. Surely we need God. Job 25, verse 6, A son of man is a worm. A son of man is a worm. In Isaiah 41, verse 14, the worm of Jacob. The Lord helps the worm. Isaiah 41, verse 14. Why am I talking about worms all the time? What's the what's, what's big spiritual deal about worms? Number one. I found out that worms help freshen and ventilate the soil. They often appear when the ground is cool or wet. Now, as believers in the sheep of the Lord, we are called to be peacemakers, to seek and pursue peace, to bring life where there is death and dryness, we are salt and light. We are a city built on a hill. We are called to proclaim the praise of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. The freshness of God. We are called to bring hope and life where there is dryness. That's one of the characteristics of the worm. They don't like heat. They don't like trouble. They like peace. We are called to sanctify the Lord in our hearts, to preach the gospel and to, def to defend the biblical faith. But we are called to do so with meekness and fear in our hearts. David said, I am a worm. Job said, a son of man is a worm. And Isaiah said, the Lord will help worms. Peacemakers. Proclaim the word of God peacefully. Secondly, a worm is used as a bait. I suppose I'm pronouncing that correctly. B-A-I-T, bait. Okay, good, thank you. It's used as a bait to catch fish. 
and I've learned something called chopped worm. Chopped worm. As the best fishing method. In this effective fishing method, a piece of chop is used on the hook as bait, number one. while some of the chop is thrown into water to attract fish. Part of it, they are cut, chopped. Part of, it, of it is put to the hook. But to make the fishing experience more exciting, part of them are thrown in the water. And the fisherman will put his hook just there. Because those ones there will attract the fish. Fishing requires preparation and care. Yes, the Lord wants us all to be fishes of men, but that must be done his ways. Whether we use a net or a simple fishing hook, the Lord must inspire, lead, and show us what and how to do it. The most experienced fisher, Peter and company, had learned to do it God's way. If the Lord has to use us for fishing men, surely we need to be like worms in his hands. And he may need to When there are many chopped pieces, they are effective in fishing. <laughs> Both the one on the hook and the ones that are thrown there to attract fish, all of them must be chopped. <laughs> we love calling that brokenness, don't we? To be broken. The Lord may need to chop us or to break us. A worm will not resist that operation of brokenness. Now, is the fisher who is doing that? Worm will not resist. Is the fisher who decides which part goes on the hook and which part is meant to attract the fish? It's not the fish which decides itself. Well, in particular, if it's been chopped. I love fresh water. I'm going to the water. I don't like the work. I don't want to be pierced. No. It's the fish who will do that and decide. Can the clay say to the porter, why hast thou made me thus? So, now. In the hand of the porter, he is the one who decides the kind of vessel, what he wants to do with us. We are the clay. He is the divine porter. Are we just satisfied with uh, where we are now? Do we think we're doing pretty well where we are now? Dear friends, the Lord has more in store for you and I. It's a call upon me. I will show you things that you don't know. You don't know. We think we know. But if we make ourselves available to the Lord and obedient to him and faithful to him, I'm telling you, he says, he will show us the things we cannot fathom, the things we don't understand. Unless we choose to remain where we are. And God wants to use all of us in fact, he wants all of us to be vessels of honor. He wants. He is the potter. He is the one who is making that happen. Look your own life. Look 30 years behind you, 40, 25, however long you've become a Christian, you've walked with the Lord, realize what he's done through your life. He still has more to do in order to catch fish. That is man. 
You see, we are in, a, in an army. We can't all do the same things. No. The problem is sometimes we want all to do the same thing. You see someone doing this, oh, I'm going to do that. You see someone, I'm going to do No, 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 no. Pray to the Lord and see what the Lord has called you to do. And he will do it to perfection in your life. And we will be more effective where we are, where God wants us to be. Question. Are we willing to let the Lord fulfill his purpose in our life or are we just satisfied with our spiritual progress and achievement? God has a lot to do with your life and my life before we leave this earth. few years ago, very few of us were in this place. Some of the people who were in this place, some of them have moved on. Some of them have gone to be with the Lord. Some of them are serving the Lord somewhere else. But the Lord brought you and I in this place for a purpose. For a purpose. Realize that. Realize that. You are here for a purpose, for such a time as this. Therefore, do not be negligent. Understand the will and the purpose of God for this place. What's God want to do with your life? At the moment, in this segment of your life, you're part of this congregation, your rewards will depend on your service. The Lord wants to equip you for his service. Whether you will move on after later on for something else, but at the moment, the Lord wants to equip you. Open the eyes of your understanding spiritually and see what God is doing for your life. He may be preparing you for something greater, for something else. Don't say I'm fully equipped. I can't learn anything. I know everything. We won't go anywhere with that. Do you remember a man called Mephibosheth? Saul descendant. Jonathan's son, I think. Do you remember when King David wanted to do something good in remembrance of his friendship with Jonathan, he asked if there was any descendants of Saul. He wanted to do good. People say, no, there's none. Oh, there is one. Mephibosheth. And say, bring him up. Mephibosheth came and he says this. Again, that's how he saw himself dead dog dead dog called at the king's table we were dead in our trespasses natural enemies of God but God has washed us God has called us crippled, paralyzed, dead at his table. Washed us and gave us a new robe. How faithful and grateful shall we be? All of us. Mephibosheth, dead dog, David, worm. See the way those people see themselves. Let us not have a too high opinion of ourselves. Let the pagans do that. We know Christ. He is our model. He is our reference. He is our standard. Let us humble ourselves under his mighty hand. Let us not have a too high opinion of ourselves. That's for pagan. Do you know what they say? The reason you're not succeeding is because you have a very low esteem. You need to top up your esteem. Go, go, go. Top up, top up, top up, top up, top up. What does the Bible say? A 
esteem others as better than you. What does the world say? You need more self-esteem. Contradiction. Who are you going to follow as a believer? Christian psychology. Those are the bridge between worldly philosophies and Christianity. Those are the ones who are Christianizing idolatries and bringing the church. Even pastors need more self-esteem to be successful. David say, I am a worm. Mephibosheth say, I am a dead dog. Paul says something similar. We do not work by the standard of this world. We live by the word of God. And we rest in him. He will make it to happen, to pass. He will change us. He will transform us in more Christ-likeness. We cannot do that by nature. But because we have his Holy Spirit, he can and will do it for his glory. If we make ourselves available to him, look at what happened in households. Pride, pride, pride everywhere. I can do without you. Well, can't do without you. Why did you get married then? Billy Graham say, if my wife and I were similar, one would be useless. Humility. Married couple. Humility in the families. Humility at work. Humility in the church. I'm telling you, it's a disaster. Christians are divorcing. You can't get any clearer passage in the Bible. God hates divorce. Full stop. Who cares? Pride. Selfishness. Lack of humility. I can do without you. I deserve better. Why did you marry me then? In the first place. The name Mephibosheth means from the mouth of shame. No reputation. No reputation. Christ made himself of no reputation. It's okay. We care so much, too much about our reputation, about what other people will think about us. If we allow God to resolve that problem in our lives, I'm telling you, things will be so much easier. So much easier. What people think about me, I have no control on that. If I waste all my time trying to improve my image, have you heard that? In managerial technique, self-visualization, self-actualization, self-improvement, self self, 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 self. What does the Bible say? In the latter day, people will be lover of themselves. Selfie. I've seen people in the car park in Tesco. One hundred times. Selfie. That's the big word. In line with the Bible, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasures, rather than lovers of God. Yet be careful and live for God. Jesus made himself of no reputation and took our guilt and shame. He wants us to have the same mind in us that was in him. Back to David. David loved and feared the Lord genuinely, genuinely. He really knew the Lord in every dimension, as I said, whether in love or in discipline. There was a time where the Lord was about to discipline David. David said, okay, rather than seeking refuge in the enemy's camp, I would rather fall into the Lord's hands because he is merciful. 
deep understanding of who God is. But sometimes, so sadly, you find believers have been praying for this for so many years. He's not answering. I'm going to try a little bit of yoga now because I'm falling anxiety. It's too much. I'm going to do this because this is too much now. He doesn't seem... And they take refuge in the camps of the enemy. David says, I'd rather God discipline me than falling into the enemy's hands. Because God is merciful. That's what I call deep knowledge of God. Deep knowledge of God. He knew God in love and in discipline. Where else shall we go? The Lord asked his disciples, oh, everyone else is gone. What are you waiting for? Go. To whom else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Steadfastness. Remaining in the Lord. In the book of Revelation, there is a pastor that said, these are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. How are we going to follow the Lord wherever he goes or leads us? Or are we going to be of the group of those who withdraw themselves? Because it's too hard. Christianity is too hard. I am a young girl. You know, it's getting too late now. The fiancé is not coming. You know, I'm going to try the pub a little bit. God is taking so long. The sickness is not going. I'm going to try. Hypno. Psycho, etc. I'm going to try healing in the new age. Holistic healing, etc. No. No. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Don't give space to deceiving spirits. Trust the Lord. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That's extreme. That's being prepared to go to the extreme with God. Though he slain me, I will still wait, cling on to him. That's Job. The Bible says Job never curse. But David's life wasn't trouble-free. He speaks of the waves of death surrounding him. He speaks of the floods of ungodliness making him afraid. There are very good reasons to be afraid as believers. The Bible says Job tormented his spirit because of ungodliness around him. Let's be honest here. The level of ungodliness and the prevailing unrighteousness is frightening. You wake up in the morning, you say, what will happen today? People are just blaspheming God, just blaspheming. You know. Everyone is afraid of Islam. Nobody there speak about Islam. Everybody can just insult and blaspheme God you know, and despise Christians, discriminate against them every day. We saw a lady, a video of the lady who was assaulted by Muslims in Hyde Park Corner, I think. Doesn't bother anybody. When it is reported in the BBC, you know, things are a little bit, you know, embellished, you know. The floods of ungodliness. The sorrows of the shield surround him. And the snares of death confronted him. We are at war. We have to fight against sin. The snare of death. Because the wages of sin is death. God cannot tempt anybody. It is our desire. But we need to hide in the Lord. God willing, next time, we will share about the difference between trials and temptation. We need to hide in the Lord. 
the Lord has a higher purpose for the life of David, but David was constantly on the run because Saul sought to kill him. His life was on the line daily. He experienced huge family trouble. Dear brothers and sisters, nothing should separate us from the love of God. The most difficult thing to handle is family problems. Family problems. I remember in a house group in Africa, one brother told me this story. Their parent had died. There was only the first son who was there. He was training to be a doctor. But you see, the doctor, as they're training toward the end of their study, they can work, earn a bit of money, and support the family. And he said to me that as soon as the older brother got married, he stopped supporting them. And they said that, is, was, that was because of his wife's selfishness. And then he concluded this. He said to me, my sister-in-law makes me sin every day. It's not what comes outside your heart that makes you sin. It what comes from inside, the Bible says. I'm giving that example, and you might have more or different examples to say that there are family issues that can cause problems in your working with God. Look at David. His own son laid with one of his concubines and sought to kill him. And then he had succession problems. You know, they sought to overthrow Solomon. He had to deal with that. And he was constantly on the run. And then at some point, his wife mocked him because he was dancing before God. It was never easy. Family problems. Do not think you need a very peaceful environment. That will not come until you get to heaven. That will not come until we get to heaven. David went through all those things but lived for God. I can see on your face that everyone is trying to reflect on that. That's true. That's true. That's true. Quietness complete will not come now. Complete peace will not come now. I don't have peace with my wife every day. I try. Remember someone was saying, oh, God is discriminating against uh, the single people because he says, uh, let not the sun lay over your wrath in the day because most of the row between husband and wife comes after the sun has gone down. They are not concerned by that passage for single. God has discriminated against the single people may not be clear to you what I'm trying to say. But the Lord has given us the fruit of the Holy Spirit to help us. Between us here, it's not easy. Different background, different understanding, different level of works with the Lord, etc. We don't expect everything to be A for everybody. We are called to bear one another. Forgiving Loving can be hated. If you bite one another, do not devour one another. Forgive, reflect, think about what Christ has done for us, seek the Lord, come back refreshed, and the Lord is glorified. David said the Lord is his fortress, his refuge. Now, let's talk about the shield a little bit. It was brought to my attention that the shield, and it is in the Bible, 
it's also the lowest state of soul the lowest state of a place one can be the lowest part one can fall in your life complete despair no way out that is also a shield David had experienced that you find yourself in an impossible situation you think there's no way out it's finished think about Joseph think about Daniel think about Paul think about all our forefathers in the faith they all died in faith without receiving all the promises they saluted them from afar off confessing that they were sojourners and passengers, pilgrims because they looked at the city made by God may we be encouraged as we work may we ignore all the fake fantasies Christianity, deceitfulness all the promises are for today, fake they all died in faith without receiving all the promises but they saluted them from afar and they confessed that they were pilgrim on this earth. The Bible says those who speak like that show that they seek a city. Because if they were not seeking a city, they would have returned where they came from. But we are not of those who return. We seek a city made by God. On that day, the Bible says, God will wipe away every tear. Do you know a place in this world where there's no tears? In Buckingham Palace? Do you know a place where there's no sorrow? No pain? God says, in the new Jerusalem, that's exactly what will happen. We look forward to that day. My American friend always say, Gee, I look forward to that body. Be of a good cheer persevere. We are not here just because we are feeling good. No. We are here to maintain in the grace of God. We are here to seek the Lord. To have him hold our hand and lead us until we see him on that day. The Bible says well, what if we die? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Blessed are those who die in the Lord. For the rest of their labor and their works follow them. Serve the Lord while you still have an opportunity. Serve the Lord with gladness. When we share some time with John, I'm going to gossip on his back because he's not here. And I trust that none of you are going to tell him. We say, oh, we need to meet today. Yes, we need to meet. Yes, out of love for God. He said, yes, because we love God. I said, yes, because we love God, but I think it's also out of duty. Oh, it's so hard. We serve God because we love him, but we also serve him out of duty. If I'm supposed to preach here and I'm not here, what happened? I'm not doing my work. We are compared to soldiers. A soldier does not go to war because they want to go to war. No. They go because they've been sent. Kneeling to the end now, in my distress I call upon the Lord. I cry out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry entered his ears. Number one. That's verse seven. Second Samuel 22, 7. Number one, I called upon the Lord. Number two, I cried out to my God. And he heard my voice, and my cry entered his ears. Calling upon the Lord is one thing, but crying to the Lord is a different thing altogether. You can call upon the Lord. But when David cried out to the Lord, the Bible says what? His cry entered God's ears. It's not just a routine, a bit of prayer, you know, not to feel good about myself. No, he's actually crying to the Lord in desperation for his hands, 
for his intervention, the cry of our hearts that enters the Lord's ears. We have prayer meetings here on Wednesday. Feel free to come. It's not just for a group of experts and experienced warrior prayer warriors. No, it's for everybody. What is the song of your life? What is the cry of your heart? The Lord does not look at what men see. He sees and searches our heart. It can be, I don't mean to offend you if this is your favorite uh, song. It can be irrational to force God to take joy in what he hears from us, from our hearts. And to suggest that whatever God hears from our hearts should be a sweet sound in his ears. Really? Really? Well, we're comfortable with that if we think that God is impressed with what is coming out of our mouth. But if we realize that is the song of our heart God is looking at, I don't know, the outcome could be different. God is not impressed just by words. May it be a sweet sound in your ear, in your ears. Surely we need God to purify our heart. And then to put in us, because God, you see, is Jehovah Jireh. He's not lacking anything. He put in us what we give to him. If we stop worshipping him, myriads worship him on earth and in heaven. I am going to stop there. But if we pass through the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord will be with us. If the sorrows of the shore surround us and the snares of death confront us, the Lord will take care of us. If the waves of death surround us and the flood of ungodliness make us afraid, the Lord will take care of us. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on, says the Lord. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. The Lord is our rock and our fortress, the God of our strength, our shield and the horn of our salvation, our stronghold and our refuge, our savior and our deliverer. This is the song of David on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hands of all his enemies. God bless you. Let's pray. Loving Father, we want to bless you. And to say thank you, Lord, for the word of God and for the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for your wise and divine counsel towards us. We thank you, Lord, for caring for us. We look to you for our future and for the rest of the pilgrimage. Commit everyone present here unto your holy hand, O Lord. And we pray that, Lord, we will be repentant. We will be humble before you. And we pray, Lord, for anyone who is in this place who has not made peace with you, who has not repented. As the Bible said truly, in this time of ignorance, God overlook this and call all men everywhere to repent for God has appointed a time where he will judge everyone who will not have his name written in the Lamb's book of life. Lord, we pray that Lord you will maintain us Lord in your grace and we pray for anyone who is sitting on the fence, anyone who is still playing with fire to come resolutely to make peace with God and to receive Jesus Christ, and to be saved and have their name written in the book of life, that in that day they will not be thrown in the Gehenna, but will live eternally with the loving God and Father. Lord, we pray that you will break the stubbornness, that the scale will fall from eyes, and that, Lord, anyone who has not known you in this place will make peace with you. Today is the day of salvation. Lord, we pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, your words, spirit and life. Lord, we pray for such individual in this place. 
that, Lord, they will meet you. You will meet with them, Lord, and soften the hearts to respond, Lord, and to receive you by the power of the Holy Spirit. We give you praise and honor, and we pray that, Lord, you bless us as we depart from this place. You bless our weak. If anyone is unwell in his body, it's written he sent his word and healed their diseases. We pray that, Lord, you raise them up and that they will give glory to your name. For you are Jehovah, Rophe, Rapha, Rophecha. We give you praise and glory, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen.